Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain a leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years' experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Hey, welcome to the first episode of this podcast. I'm a little bit nervous, haven't ever done this thing before. I got to thinking about this. I think I've probably stood in front of an audience and talked uh, since I was about 19 years old, maybe 11,000 times or more. I totally freaked out when I decided I was going to launch a podcast. It's like, I want to get this first one right. And so uh, here we are, and I hope that it works for you. I think it's going to work for me. I I want to just kind of introduce myself and what I'm all about, why I did this. You know, I get to talk to a lot of people around the world. I, I travel a lot with a thing I do called Mission Hope. I raise money. I go to third world countries. You can read about it on my website. I talk to people and that can't afford for me to come. In fact, that's kind of my two qualifiers. They're already doing something along the lines of a movement. They planned a few churches. That's qualification number one. Qualification number two is they can't afford for somebody like me to come. So I go there and usually I get a, maybe three, six hour days in a row and then I go away and maybe I see them a year later and it's kind of a bummer. It's like you, you want to keep up the conversation. And then in America, I have the privilege, I work with a group called Exponential. I get to talk to a lot of people, uh, but those sessions are never really long enough. It just feels like if we just had a little bit more time. And so, you know, I, I just want to have a little bit more time where maybe I'm unpacking five things in a 20 minute segment uh, in, in talking. And then maybe we do some Q&A after. In this situation, I get to do one at a time, 20 minutes for all five, 20 minutes each for all five. The other part of this is that I know that I can be provocative. In fact, I want to be provocative. I like to make people think in ways that they didn't think before, but that always sets up further discussions. And I get a lot of emails and find myself on cell phone calls a lot with pastors that I meet that are really struggling. They've got legitimate issues that they're trying to work their way through. And, you know, somebody with some experience and been around the block a couple times can help a lot. But I'm frankly getting burned out. I do a lot of Zoom calls. I'm maybe hoping that out of these discussions through the podcast, we can get together and do some Zoom calls in larger groups. What I really am looking for is a way to take whatever it is that I have and leverage it for the kingdom of God and invest in as many people as I can as I'm passing through this way in this life that the Lord has given to us all. So here's my story. As a very young child, I came to know Jesus. I moved to a new house and there was a little church across the street. It looked like a New England church with a steeple, the whole thing. And I had no idea what a church was. My parents didn't go to church. My dad had had some kind of experience with the Lord as an 18-year-old and then kind of walked away from it. My mom had come up in Christian science, but she had walked away from even that. And so my mother explained to me what a church was, and I wanted to go there, Sunday school, the whole deal. And I can recall that if you went to that church three times in a row, Sunday school three times in a row, you got a little mirror with a picture of Jesus on the back. And I was going to get that. But on my second Sunday, God interrupted all of that. My dad and the pastor get to talk, and when he came to pick me up from Sunday school, he'd just walk across the street, drop me off, come back and pick me up when it was all over. 
and he and the pastor have this discussion. It turns into a flaming argument, and I'm seeing my mirror evaporate in the whole deal. It turns out that the pastor didn't think the Bible was inspired by God, and my dad, who's kind of a card-carrying heathen at the moment, believes that it is the Word of God. One thing led to another. My dad goes home angry. Our whole family gets sick with the mumps. My dad's in bed. He starts listening to a guy named J. Vernon McGee on the radio just to reinforce the argument in his head that he's right, that that pastor is an idiot. The result is that laying in bed, very sick, my father became a believer in Jesus for life. And he took me to a Youth for Christ rally. At that time, Youth for Christ was doing these big things, a couple thousand people there. At the end of it, he wanted to go forward to an altar call and give his life to Jesus. He took me into this little room where they did the thing, and somebody grabbed me away from my dad. They thought that he brought me there so I would accept the Lord. I'm five years old. They explained sin. They explained the gospel. And I, as much as a five-year-old could do, I got it. And, and it set the course for my whole life. A year or so later, my dad had been talking about moving away from Portland, Oregon, where I grew up, to this place called Los Angeles and going to a Bible college, becoming a pastor. I hated that idea. I'd begun to make friends with little kids in school, and I didn't want to leave my friends and had no idea how I would fall in love with California later on in my life. But I was just kind of processing all that, and then my little brother comes into the scene, and he's like six years younger than me, so I was not anything older than seven years old when this happened. One day my brother's sounding off making a lot of noise and, and my dad comments about it. And then he goes, with lungs like that, that kid ought to be a preacher. And then he says, you know, I hope one day one of my boys grows up to become a pastor. And I'm sitting there thinking, it'll be him. It'll never be me. It'll never be me. And that began this long fight with Jesus that I had until I was about maybe 17, 18 years old when I finally gave in and decided that God had called me to be a pastor. In those days, the only way that you could do that was to uh, go to a seminary or go to a Bible college. And uh, our denomination had a Bible college in Los Angeles, uh, the same place my dad was going to go. And so I moved there at age uh, 18. Actually, I was still 17, I think, when I got there. Uh, right away, got involved in a little church that had gone through a, a major loss. Uh, we were in the San Fernando Valley. There had been a, a major layoff at Lockheed Corporation, which just decimated employment in the valley. And that church had gone from about 150 down to maybe 25 people. A guy that had been on staff at the church that I was in where I grew up became the pastor of that church at the same time I moved to the Bible school. In fact, I drove one of his cars to LA. It was my free ride. When I got there, I decided that I'd get involved and help him. And so the first week I'm on a parking lot in the hot San Fernando Valley Sun with four young boys. There was Dudley, Daniel, Jeff, and there was Jimmy. Very quickly, we lost Jimmy, but I'm still tight with the other three all these years later. And they kind of helped set the course for my life. I began to, uh, actually a couple years in, I, I got off the program thing and the Sunday school thing, and I began to understand what it meant to make disciples. And and so from then, I, from them, I began to establish a pattern of disciple making in my life that has stood me in good stead till this day. So I graduated from the Bible college, continued with those kids. I, by that time, the church had grown. I was with those kids for seven years. I saw them from junior high school all the way up into college. And at age 25, moved to Manhattan Beach, California, where I planted Hope Chapel, Manhattan Beach. And 
Uh, I was still wearing a three-piece suit and had a white wall haircut and the whole hippie deal was breaking out. And I can recall being in the back of the church building with my wife and a little tiny building holds 66 people. And, you know, I kind of have a life goal that maybe someday there'll be 200 people in the church I pastor because the churches that I was involved with, other than the one I grew up in, which was very large, the rest of them were all quite small. And I thought that I was going to be a pastor of a small church. And so we're sitting in the back of this auditorium and praying at that point that the Lord would fill it with 66 people because that's what it would hold. And this guy that's living on the road, kind of just, you know, homeless because he wants to be, that was the whole hippie deal, comes in and hits me up for money. And, and he's just filthy. He stinks. Uh, that's what happens when you live on the road like that on purpose. And so I gave him some money. And as he left, I prayed, Lord, you know, let some people like that come to our church. Now, I'm thinking, let some dirty, stinky hippies come to our nice middle-class church of 66 people. That's not what the Lord had in mind. A couple of weeks later, we had our first service. There were a dozen people there. following week, there were 18 people. Uh, after that, we got invaded by hippies, bikers, and a topless dancer. And my life just went upside down. I can remember going home after church one day and actually crying tears because a guy that I, I was trying to help open a door that stuck, got mad, cussed at it, kicked a hole in the door. I need to add, he later on became a pastor. God had bigger things in mind than we ever had. We've, we've gone from there to 12 years later, I was the 30th guy to leave that church, which at that time had moved to Hermosa Beach. So I left Hope Chapel, Hermosa Beach, to move to Hawaii, started a church in a, in a town called Kaneohe. From there, we started 62 churches in Hawaii, but the whole deal uh, bundled together turned into over 2,200, 2,300 churches that we could count never did count until I uh, got involved with Exponential. I knew they were going to ask me how many churches they were. And so we went and did a, a little bit of research and we found all these churches. We know there's a lot that we never did find. But um, so at age 25, I became a, pioneer, a church planter. At age 38, moved to Hawaii, started a church under a tree uh, without a permit in a park. It's against the law to do that, terrified of the policeman who'd come rolling through and eyeball us every week. And and then, you know, good things have happened from there. And it's it just come out to where uh, close to a quarter of a million people at any given time or any given stunt weekend are in church because I got involved with three young boys and learned how to make disciples. And later on, planted a church with a dozen people and we began to build a disciple-making continuum into that church. We'll get into that in later podcasts, how that works. But just discipling a few people at a time, them discipling a few people, we go on from there, and it, it, it be, turns into exponential growth. And so that's kind of my story and, and what I think I have to offer. And uh, that's why I do this website, which is a blog, and a few teaching tools that are on the website and then hopefully this podcast is going to turn into something that would be a benefit to you. As I consider this whole idea of doing this podcast, I think of the words that the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 12. I'm reading from the New King James Version. He says, our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we have conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God. And it's resulted in abundance toward you. And so what I'm really hoping for is that I can take what I have 
and that I can share it. Uh, years of experience, older person sharing with younger people, maybe coming alongside to encourage you, to lift you up, to help you resolve some difficult issues, some knotty problems in your life, uh, that I would come to you with simplicity and godly sincerity. You know, we get a lot of fleshy wisdom in Jesus' name. I was recently in a conference center, and they had a huge library of books there, and Christian books. And as I was looking through them, there, there were probably maybe in the one section that I'm looking at, maybe eight or 900 books. And I think that I could boil them all down to six or seven topics. You know, why is it we keep writing books? I keep writing books because we're not quite getting the job done. And sometimes I question my own motives and I wonder if I'm coming with fleshly wisdom or if I'm coming in the grace of God with simplicity, godly sincerity. That's how I've always approached teaching in church. It's how I've approached making disciples. It's, it's how I hope that this thing turns out, that with simplicity and godly sincerity, I come along and become a benefit to you. I was recently asked the question, why do you waste your time writing a blog? Because I try to put some up there every week, and there's times it just gets a little bit overwhelming. But the easy answer to that is because I believe in the kingdom of God. This is not about me or my church or whatever I've done or whatever I could do. This is about the kingdom and how it works. And here's how the kingdom works. 10% of the evangelicals in the United States go to churches, attend churches that are larger than 1,000 people. That means that the ordinary church is a smaller church. In fact, the average church size in the United States hovers right around 100, depending on who you ask. And so the pastors of these churches are my heroes, especially the bivocational or freelance pastors. These guys are making a huge sacrifice to expand the kingdom of God. And they pay a price that the leaders of larger churches don't. And in many ways, you have to really stop and think about this. Think this through. That the pastors of smaller churches are more productive in evangelism, in disciple-making, and in church planting than the pastors of megachurches. We know that 70% of all churches that get planted are planted by churches that number less than 500 people. 20%, a full 20%, are pastored by churches that are smaller than 200 people. I think that if you're pastoring 60 people, you could send a handful out and you could plant a church, and who knows? They may run out and do things that are greater than you ever anticipated. That's happened to me more than once in my life where my disciples have gone on to do far greater things than I've ever done. So, why waste time writing a blog? Why waste time making a podcast? Because it's not a waste of time. That when we get together and we share these things and we talk about these things, and if I have an opportunity to make an investment in your life, then it's altogether worth it. And I couldn't find a better use of my time. As we proceed, my major purpose is to help you become a leader that you yourself would want to follow. Think about this. Think about the times that you've followed a leader and then been disappointed or you know you've you've started to look at somebody that seemed to have it all together and then you found that they didn't or it just kind of became a, a dry well to you or a cloud without rain and 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 then you kind of look yourself in the mirror and you go why are people following me or am am I the kind of person that I would want to follow do I live up to my own ideals do uh, does my life represent the kind of integrity that would make me want to stick with this person? Am I walking down the right path in terms of how I obey the Great Commission? 
are these are questions that I think are really valid and that we're going to answer as we get together over the next hopefully a few years and continue to do this. And so I have some goals and, and it really comes down to helping the leaders of smaller churches add members because if we don't add capacity and we don't grow, then we're not going to ever be in a situation where we can multiply ourselves or multiply our churches. That would be goal number one. Goal number two is to help you build a disciple-making continuum into your church. And uh, I got to unpack that in a later podcast, but really what we're talking about is from getting people as they walk in the door or people as they're out in the community and your people touch them and then move them all the way as far as they're going to go on a continuum that possibly could lead them to be a missionary someplace. And I have a a very simple and very easy structure that we can infuse into the smallest of churches. It works. It's worked for us over and over and over at least 2,400 times. And so we want to think about that. And the third goal is to help you plant churches that would plant churches to the ends of the earth. And when I say to the ends of the earth, about the furthest place away that you can go on the planet from Jerusalem, where all this started, is Hawaii. It's where I lived for 35 years of my life. And uh, it's a place that heard the gospel because of some Puritans who came out of New England several hundred, 300 years ago. And they shared the gospel faithfully, uh, living out the Great Commission, living out Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It's what I'm hoping to help you do as I come alongside of you, bringing the wisdom that is born of experience and infusing it into the zeal, the youth, the power, the passion that you have to bring to the table. Here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about church multiplication. We're going to talk about microchurch and freelance pastors. We're going to talk about disciple-making as evangelism. You know, we get this thing of we go bring somebody to Jesus and then we start to make a disciple. I think that's backwards, that we reach out to the to the Matthews and the Zacchaeuses in the world and we begin to disciple them into Christ. The woman at the well, we disciple that person into Christ. I want to share lessons that I've learned from my mentors I've outlined about 17 things that were just major deals in my life. And and I can tell you the story of when it happened, where it happened, and who the guy was, and the impact it had on my life. And hopefully, I'm I'm going to be able to pass on those people's legacy and, and invest it in your life. I want to talk about how to raise effective leaders. We have some leadership systems in our churches that all they do is bum us out. You know, you go out and and, and run a leadership training event, hoping to recruit leaders. And, you know, some number of people show, you know, sign up, half of them show up. And then at the end of the deal, one or two people decide they're going to lead and everybody else kind of backs away. You're bummed. I want to come to a, a whole different way of doing that. I found a way that uh, effectively makes leadership training into an, an elite privilege for people. I'm hoping to add that to your arsenal of tools. I'm hoping to help you inspire other people to make disciples and to plant churches. One of the things we're going to look at is leadership pitfalls. A lot of people have been you know, left by the side of the road because they really didn't have all that it needed to be together, particularly in terms of integrity. And so we'll, we'll get into character in that. I want to talk about bulletproofing a young church or a small church. Boy, there's a lot of problems that come your way because 
of one person that just begins to, to gather too much power and they and they use that power against leadership. And I found some really practical ways of dealing with those kind of people. And I hope to pass that on to you. We want to get into team building and staff management, especially for the first time hire. If you're in a situation where your church is growing and maybe you've hired somebody and it didn't work so well, then I want to help you to go at it again. Or if it really truly is your first time, then I want to kind of lay a foundation for that. I want to teach you how to fire people and maintain friendships. I've fired probably 15 people in my lifetime and I'm still friends with all but one of them. You know, we're supposed to be these people's, not only their boss, but their pastor. And there's a way to do things that's a right way. I want to talk to you about some ways that you can add a benefits package to your staff and to yourself, a financial and a time-honoring benefits package that's going to bless people. I want to talk about how to confront problem individuals and to do it with love and firmness and to pretty much predict that every outcome is going to be a good outcome. So the next few podcasts, the next few weeks together, we're going to talk about disciple making and church multiplication. I kind of thought that's what I'm sort of known for, so I got to start there. Then I want to go through this little series of lessons from my mentors. And then I've put together some some what I call life scriptures, the scriptures that have held me together. And then I have another little set of scriptures that we built our ministry on. And so I have life scriptures and ministry scriptures. And, and so we'll spend some time with that and, and, and how they've impacted what we do and how these scriptures have resulted in my life in a kind of fruitfulness that has brought a couple hundred thousand people into the kingdom. So what are you going to get out of this? Well, again, my goal is to help you live as a leader that you would want to follow. So you're going to get the freedom to look in the mirror and, and go in your own mind. You know, this is pushing it a little hard, but in your own mind, you're going to be able to look in the mirror and someday and go, well done, good and faithful servant. As you listen and interact, I'll teach you how to think apart from the crowd. You know, I kind of come at the world a little different than most people. I'm more comfortable that way. I spent a lot of time memorizing the Gospel of Matthew when I was in high school. And then later on, in kind of a fit of anger, I decided I was going to read the book of Acts every day, at least five days a week for my sophomore year in college. I did that in an act of rebellion against the school that I was attending, but it stood me in good stead. And, and so if you root your thoughts in Scripture rather than in what you read or the last conference that you attended, you're probably going to think a little differently than a lot of the people around you. And that should really result in you maximizing your pers personal leadership and you prospering in integrity, material blessing, and impact on the world. I think God wants to prosper us. He, he wants us to grow more integrous every day. I think he wants to supply our needs. And my definition of prosperity, by the way, isn't that you get rich. It's that I always have enough for me or my family and, or my church and enough to give others. I can be generous. I can afford to be generous without thinking about it. And so I want you to prosper in personal integrity. I want you to prosper in material blessing in your family. And we're going to get into some money issues down the road. I want you to prosper in terms of material blessing, financial blessings in your church. And certainly I want you to prosper in terms of your impact on the world. And so I'm an old guy helping some young guy who's, you know, on the journey. And uh, the journey's kind of, you know, fading for me. And I want to be able to invest in you. 
I'd hope that you'll invest in me. I hope that if you go on the blog, you'll write some things back. Maybe you'll make contact. I hope that if I bring some questions as we do the podcast together, that you'll email me and that we can stay in touch. And this can be an interactive deal. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Check my blog at ralphmore.net and look for the tools that are there. And hopefully this is the beginning of a good partnership. Thanks.